It's good to be with you. Um, our, uh, we're considering the topic of death tonight, and uh, the scripture passage we're going to use is in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Before I read, and I'm actually going to read this twice because it's two verses. Um, I'm going to read it twice, but before I do, I would love to go to the Lord in prayer one more time for the reading of God's word. Um, Let me pray again. Father, we trust you when we open up your word that it will not return void, that it will do exactly what you intend it to, that ultimately your kingdom will come. And so we praise you for that. And Humbly yet confidently ask that you would open our eyes and soften our hearts tonight. I pray again in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is God's word. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. And we read it one more time since it's so short. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. This is God's word. There's an experience that I've had from time to time. You may be able to relate to it. I've been driving down the highway, thinking, listening to music or something like that. And all of a sudden, my eyes catch a little white cross or a bouquet of flowers on the side of the road. In those moments, the reality of death rises to the forefront of my mind, and I wonder, who is this person who lost their life there? Who is still aching with loss because of that moment? What what about the other people passing by in in the cars? What do they think when they see this? We don't like to think about death. It's too painful. It's oftentimes deeply frightening. However, despite our best efforts, It's difficult to go through a day with our eyes open in this world and not think about the reality of death and not be confronted by the reality of death. Maybe it's the memory of a loved one, news of someone we know, or just a statistic on our phone. And what better place to consider this sobering topic than the sanctuary of the living God, hearing from the words of life, listening to a 29-year-old, fresh out of seminary, unordained day into youth intern. <laughs> but that is besides the point. <laughs> because God does speak about death, and when God speaks about death, and where God speaks about death, we ought to pay attention to that and listen. And so the burden of tonight's sermon is to consider death as God would have us. And I think in doing so, we will be equipped to face death faithfully. We're going to do this in three ways tonight. First, we're going to see that death is the enemy. Second, we're going to embrace Christ as the victor over death. And third, 
we're going to live lives. We're going to see that we can live lives free from death's sting. So we recognize the enemy, we embrace the victor, and we live in freedom. First, I want you to see that death is the enemy. I think it can be easy to think wrongly about death. Maybe we just accept it as a natural course of things. Everything passes away. Everyone dies. It is what it is, we say. Or as Kurt Vonnegut writes after every death in the book Slaughterhouse-Five, so it goes. Christians have our own version of this. It sounds like this. Don't be sad. She's in a better place. And while it's a glorious truth that Christians do pass on to a better place, we should be sad about death because death is an enemy. Death is an imposter in God's good creation. Death is evil. Death comes from the evil one. And so death is our enemy. Look at verse 14 with me. Verse 14 says this, especially at the end, it says that through death, Christ might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. Do you see that? I don't want us to miss this. God's word is telling us where death comes from. Of course, God is ultimately sovereign over life and death, but death comes from the evil one. One author says, Satan exercises his power in the realm of death. You could say that death is the devil's playground. Death is not simply an inevitable part of life. Death is a great enemy. Keller says, Tim Keller says this, death is hideous and frightening and cruel and unusual. It is not the way life is supposed to be. Death is a great enemy. If this is so, you might ask, why do we all experience death? Well, scripture tells us plainly, it says that the wages of sin is death. It's our turning and our rebelling away, away from the, against our creator, the God who made us, that has made death our destiny. Not just non-existence or nothingness or unconsciousness, I might add. This is the death that we deserve. It's a death that is an eternal punishment, ruin under the hand of wrath of a righteous God. We have chosen death through our sin. And in order to face death faithfully, we have to deal with this reality. But there's something else I want you to consider based off of this principle. To experience sadness and grief over death is not a sign of spiritual weakness. It doesn't mean that we don't trust God. It doesn't mean that we aren't heavenly minded. Rather, it rightfully acknowledges, that we, it rightfully acknowledges death for what it is. It acknowledges death as an imposter and an enemy of God's good creation. I think Jesus models this in John 11. John 11 tells us that Jesus wept vigorously moments before he raised his friend Lazarus from the grave. If we think about this, this seems very illogical. Why would he do this? He knew what he was about to do. How do we make sense of this? Well, the only way to make sense of this is if Christ saw death as an enemy to God in a tragedy in this world. Christ grieved the power of death. Christ hated death. Christ wept over death, and so should we. We need to see death as the enemy. We need to see death as the enemy. 
Um, we also, secondly, need to embrace Christ as the victor over death. So not only do we see Christ as the, uh, we see that death as the enemy, we embrace Christ as the victor over death. What's fascinating about this story in John 11 is that Christ's resurrection of Lazarus actually started a chain of events that led to his ultimate crucifixion on the cross. After Christ raised Lazarus from the grave, it says that people went and reported that to the Pharisees and the high priests. And from that day on, they plotted to take his life. If you think about that, isn't that ironic? Isn't that unbelievable that Christ raising someone out of the grave was the tipping point to his own murder? This is unjust. This is wrong. This is unfair. And yet it is through this that Christ conquered death. It is through his own death and resurrection that Christ is actually the victor over death. And we must embrace him as the victor over death. Hebrews, this verse in Hebrews tells us plainly, it says that it was through death that Christ destroyed the one who has the power over death. He took on real flesh and real blood like ours. He, he was born, he lived, he suffered and died, and he did so in order to destroy death once and all for his people. Christ facing death for his people was the only way to save us from what our sins deserve. And he did it. And he rose. And in doing so, he destroyed the power of death because Christ is the victor over death. Therefore, the application for us is this. It is only in being bound to Christ by faith that we are brought, we are brought safely through death. It is on the shoulders of Christ that we pass through the raging river called death that otherwise would sweep us away. We must embrace Christ as the victor over death. You know, when we're forced to consider death, when we hear that news of a friend, when we are flooded by painful memories, when we receive that diagnosis, our hearts will go to all kinds of places to ease the pain that we feel, to soothe the ache in our soul. We might think of our own legacy that we'll leave behind. We might think of the good works that we've done. We might run to pleasure. We might just try to stay busy. And these things aren't necessarily bad, but none of these things can conquer death. Only Christ can conquer death. He is the only one. He is the only hope we have in both life and death. And we must embrace him as the victor over death. These are the last days. These are the days between when Christ has come and died and rose and when he will come again. It is done. He accomplished victory over death on the cross. And so now we get to look back to that moment and face death faithfully by looking back to the cross, looking back to the empty tomb and embracing Christ. We rest on him alone as our savior from sin and death because he alone is the victor over death. You see, it's only when we see death as the enemy and secondly, when we embrace Christ as the victor over death, that thirdly, we can experience freedom from death's sting. And that's what I want us to do. I want us to live in freedom from death's sting. F.F. F. Bruce says this, until Christ's conquest of death, death seemed to have the final word. 
But in these last days, the days after Christ has come, the days after Christ has died and risen, and before he returns, we know this is not the case, not for the Christian. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says this, that Christ has delivered all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So now, because of Christ, we can say what Paul says in Corinthians. We can say, oh, death, where is your sting? Death cannot intimidate us. Death cannot coerce us anymore because Christ has transformed death from a curse to a blessing to all who believe, for all who are hidden in him. So now, death means freedom from sin. Death means the end of our suffering. Death means we will be with the Lord forever. Death means we will be with the Lord forever, fully known and fully loved in eternity always. So we don't have to be afraid of death. We are free from the sting of death. And when we remember this, when we think about this, when we believe this, I think this changes everything. I think first, this changes the way we grieve. Practically, when we face death, when we experience the reality of death in our lives, we still grieve. But this reality actually teaches us to grieve with hope. It's what Paul tells the Thessalonian Christians to do. He says, grieve, don't grieve like the rest of the world who have no hope. Grieve with hope. You see, grieving with hope does not mute our pain. It does not even ask us to turn the volume down on our pain. Rather, it's like adding a second voice to a song, creating a beautiful harmony that is a witness to our Redeemer and protects us from bitterness. It changes the way we grieve. We can grieve with hope. But secondly, it changes the way we think. When we face the tragedy of death, oftentimes we have many questions. Why now would be one. But one thing we can know for sure is that the pain we feel, the suffering we experience, our God has experienced too. Our scripture tells us that he took on flesh and blood. He partook of those same things and he actually experienced death himself. He knows the pain of loss. He knows what suffering is. Christ can sympathize with you in your deepest tragedies. When you face your own death or face the death of a loved one, Christ sympathizes with you. It changes the way we think. It also changes the way we live. There's no more crippling anxiety over what lies behind the grave. No more, no more overwhelming compulsion to seize as much pleasure in this life as we can possibly grab for ourselves, no matter what the cost to ourselves, no matter what the cost to others. No more striving to be just good enough to maybe feel some sort of eternal security. God's wrath no longer hangs over our head because Jesus hung on the cross for us. You see, in Christ, we are free, and that changes the way we live here and now. We are free from the sting of death, and we can live that way. This changes everything. A really helpful resource in preparing this sermon was Tim Keller's short book titled On Death. In it, he tells the story of Donald Gray Barnhouse, Presbyterian minister of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. His wife passed away uh, in her late 30s and left him with four children under the age of 12. Um, Keller writes this, he says, driving with his children to the funeral, a large truck 
pulled past them in the left lane, casting its shadow over them. Barnhouse turned and asked everyone in the car, would you rather be run over by the truck or by the shadow of the truck? His 11-year-old answered, shadow, of course. Her father replied, well, that is what happened to your mother. The shadow of death has passed over her because death itself ran over Jesus. You see, death is the enemy. Christ is the victor. And when we embrace him and him alone, we will live free from death's sting. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the question I want to leave you with. Do you believe this? Death is the enemy. Christ is the victor over death. We must embrace him. When we do, we'll live free from death's sting. Let me pray. Father, we are humbled. We are um, unbelievably grateful that you have not left us in our sin and given us over to what our sins deserve. Father, we, we ask for the faith that can only come from you to fully embrace you, to lean on you, to trust you even as we face death so that we can face death faithfully. Father, thank you that you have given us new life in Christ. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.